The Pittsburgh Penguins are a team that boasts many talents and enough talent where they would be able to manage without Phil Kessel. That is, so long as they stay healthy. And in the first few games of this season, Evgeny Malkin hurt his leg and missed 11 games. They survived that. But since then, Chris Letang has suffered a lower body injury. For now, he is listed as week to week. And then they were dealt the biggest blow at least six weeks with no Sidney Crosby in the lineup. Can they adapt and overcome, or are they in serious trouble? Episode 193 of the Lace Mode Podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. And uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, breaking news, they're banged up and dealing with a lot of key injuries, Brett. Yeah, for sure. It seems like this happens every year where, I mean, I guess that's what happens when when Malkin, Latang. And Crosby and even Matt Murray to some extent are 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 always injured at one point or another, and those are like their four key guys. So it's it's like it's it's almost like it's not a matter of if these guys will get injured; it's more of a matter of when these guys will get injured um, during the season. But yeah, so this time it's both Crosby and um, Latang who are injured. Um, and it looks like both of them are week to week, um, as Steve mentioned at the start of the show. Uh, so Sidney Crosby has a lower body injury, um, and he injured that November 16th. Um, also of note, uh, Nick Bukestad, uh, which we'll get into because uh, he's a set, he's another center for them. Um, he's injured. He was injured on the same day. It's an undisclosed injury, but it looks like he's day to day. And then you have Chris Letang. Um, who's sidelined and has a lower body injury, which is week to week. So, um, I mean, it's interesting here, too, because I'm looking here. Uh, so Crosby got injured, like, around, like, I think it was, was it November 15th against the Devils? Is that right? Because um, it wasn't against the... No, he didn't It wasn't against the Maple Leafs. It, it, was, it was a game against Chicago. They held uh, him out okay. of the lineup. And okay. a few days after that game against Chicago, we found out that he was mulling over whether or not to undergo core muscle surgery because apparently there was this um, okay. sports hernia. Right, right. That um, I've, I, I actually have it in my notes here. Okay. Uh, so he aggravated his sports hernia in a win over Chicago. Uh, okay. And uh, he sustained that injury in training camp. And Brett, you'll love this. Uh, he opted against surgery and decided yeah. to power through the thing because uh, there was a large number of walking wounded forwards on the Penguins at the time. What's not so, to love? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for those of you listening to the podcast, this is Brett's biggest pet peeve, don't play hurt. Yep. And it, it angers him every time. It does, uh, yeah. No fail. Uh, so, yeah, Crosby opted against surgery. Um, this time around, he decided... Uh, the wiser thing, right. best to get this out of the way now than 
late in the regular season where it might flare up and we're in the middle of a playoff race. It. So okay. um, out, it's uh, core muscle surgery out at least six weeks. Got it. Um, so, well, six weeks, that's a long time. I didn't see that. Yeah, at least okay. six weeks. So the interesting thing here is, so I'm looking at their schedule here. So since that Chicago game when he was injured, um, they played the Rangers on Tuesday. They lost that game 3-2, to two, um, which is whatever. I mean, the Rangers are might be getting hot. Who knows? Um, no one really expected them to, uh, uh, you know, do anything there. It's like, whatever, Crosby is out. Uh, the Devils, they lose again um, on Friday. Um, that's kind of shocking, too, because the Devils are struggling on their own. Um, and then on Saturday, they play the Tor- they play the Toronto Maple Leafs. And they, I mean, I guess we could have done a, our whole episode on the Toronto Maple Leafs because they don't have Mitch Marner now for a while. And, you know, every, like everyone in Toronto is going crazy without Mike Babcock. But the Penguins... Well, they'll, they'll, they'll be playing time to talk about the Leafs, my friend. For sure, sure. It, it's, it's only getting started over there. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's a good point. We'll, we'll probably talk about them next week if there's nothing better to talk about. But um, but anyways, the Penguins uh, crushed them uh, this uh, this week in 6-1. Uh, to one. So I don't know if that says more about the Maple Leafs that like with a team that doesn't have their best player and their best defensemen that they're able to like you know that's how bad toronto's defense is or it says something about the penguins where uh they're able to overcome adversity through these injuries um which i just find interesting because they lose to the teams that they should beat and then they beat the teams that they probably shouldn't beat um and that's where it gets a little interesting there um so the question now we, we have a couple of questions here uh to start off uh what does crosby bring that's tough to replace um uh which i i can answer for a bit i mean obviously crosby is a generational talent um like obviously uh, when you look at their lineup here um malkin um is a center jared mccann apparently is a second line center now um, with uh, Nick Bukestad, who's being out. Um, it's not like, I mean, I guess the Penguins, we'll get to Chris Letang in a second, but, you know, the Penguins' biggest weakness is their defense. Um, and, you know, they, and their, like, and their lack of wingers. But what they do have is Evgeny Malkin and Jake Gensel. And Crosby, like, makes them that much better because he is a generational talent he's what mcdavid will be in 10 years um you know he's still he's still dangerous like i mean obviously people aren't as excited about him now as they were in his early career but like he's basically he's reached like an ovechkin level like he's 32 years old and somehow he's still um one of the best players in the league um, it's 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 pretty remarkable when you think about it that way. It's it's not just that he's really good now. It's that he's like 33 years old right now, and he's still a good player. Um, I don't know. It, considering this is like a lower body injury, I mean, you always have to worry about that with with older guys like this. Um, but 
Uh, so I would imagine he'll like, you know, I think the Penguins do take this seriously, obviously, because he is Sidney Crosby we're talking about. Um, but um, he's also 32 years old. So um, I could see um, that that does bring me some concern where like, I wonder if he'll ever be the same player again, um, just purely because of age and stuff. But at the same time, I feel like like Crosby is a different breed where he'll he'll be he might even be better than he was um after this injury yeah actually uh when, when you were talking about uh having doubts as to whether or not he'd be the same player again that's what I was thinking when he was going through all those yep. uh concussion injuries like those concussions cost him 108 games, yep. which is absolutely mind-boggling, including seven playoff games. Right. Um, but yeah, outside of that, uh, the Penguins have had a healthy Sidney Crosby in 410 of Pittsburgh's last 427 games prior to this yep. injury. Sidney He's Crosby been relatively was in the lineup. Yeah, yeah. So pl- at least seventy-five games played for six straight seasons. That's pretty good. Yep. So the core of this Penguins team, for the most part, they really haven't had to play through this kind of reality. If Kenny Malkin has, we'll get to yep. more on Malkin in a bit. But um, this is relatively new for a lot of the players on this team because um, Sidney Crosby's uh, fortunately been very, very healthy. Um, in regards to what they're what they're kind of missing um honestly just the greatness it it may sound cheesy but i believe it to be true just the greatness that he possesses if you look at the first two seasons of his career he combined for 222 points and 111 power play points, which is absolutely ridiculous. He had 61 power play points as a second-year player. Yeah. Um, we're talking about a guy who's obviously won a lot. He's won a Stanley Cup. He's won Olympic gold twice. He's, of course, got that memorable golden goal um above his mantle as well consistently puts up 30 to 40 goals in nhl season um he's i believe he has at least 30 goals in nine of his however many seasons played um 200 plus shots on goal per season um he's done that multiple times uh, there were days in his early years where he'd be averaging almost five minutes of power play time per contest, which is absolutely unheard of. That's superstardom elite level. Um, and, and even though he doesn't usually get you 100 points a season, 80 to 90 points, it's a safe bet if you're Sidney Crosby. I think the biggest, the biggest thing that... Pittsburgh is going to have to try and fill is the gap in the faceoff dot because you look at where Sidney yep. Crosby ranks in faceoffs taken in his rookie year he was just outside the top 30 uh, he was 46 in faceoff wins he he had over 1100 faceoffs taken as a rookie um, he went from 32nd in the NHL in faceoffs taken as a rookie to fourth most in his second year and he had the fifth most wins and pretty much in all of his career except 
uh, three seasons, and I'm and I'm not talking about the injury shortened seasons with concussions, excluding those. I'm just taking a look at face-off wins in a season and face-offs taken in a season. Yep. He's top 10 in all but a handful of seasons. Like, that's how consistent this guy is. And, and every every single time he does that, he puts up like 80, 90, 100 points. Yep. So trying to replace the offense is one thing. Trying to find a consistent presence in the face-off dot that can constantly win your draws at any part of the ice, that's going to be tremendously tough to fill, especially when you look at the options down the middle that Pittsburgh has outside of Evgeny Malkin. Yeah, that does bring us to our next question is, who is most likely to step up in Sid's absence? Who absolutely has to? Um, so the, I have two things on this, and then I'll let you go. Um, the, uh, you know, the thing that's interesting about Sid, like I think there's, I, I'm sure maybe you do have this statistic out there or not, because you, you tend to do more research than I do on these things. But um, <laughs> um, that like whenever Sid gets injured or vice versa with Malkin, like yeah. the other one plays much better and is like uh, even more of a superstar than they are already. Um, it's kind of like, uh, I guess it's like, you know, Malkin, maybe there's something psychological about it where Malkin's like, oh, Sid's gone. Oh, this means that it's my team. Okay, now it's my mm -hmm. turn to take over. And then it's the same for Sidney Crosby. It's like, oh, Malkin's gone. I think I have to take over now too, which is impressive when you think about it because usually when like someone as good as Sid leaves is out of the lineup or the same, or someone as good as Malkin is out of the lineup, you know, usually like teams can better defend them because it's like, oh, we only have to guard Malkin because Sid's out, or we only have to guard Sidney because Malkin's out. Um, but it, that tends to not actually be the case, which is uh, kind of interesting when you think about it. Um, and the other interesting thing about this is that, um, like as I mentioned briefly before, I'm looking here, Jaron McCann, um, he is somehow a center. Um, I think for a while he was on the left wing or he, I think he was being tried as a winger, um, which is just interesting because they do have Alex Galchenyuk in the lineup and I thought he was more of a center than he was a winger, um, or at least he's more of a natural center. So it, it kind of shows you how, how much they think of Alex Galchenyuk that not only is he on the left, like not only is he not being used as a center, um, he's on the third line now um, with Joseph Blandisi. Um, so that, that, that doesn't make sense to me anymore. Um, and then my other note, um, so I feel like Gal something's going on with Galchenyuk where it's like, it's all like already this Kessel for Galchenyuk trade is not working out for either team because Kessel's not doing well either in Arizona. Um, but um, I was just looking here quickly at um, at like the the last week for Pittsburgh um, and how many points did players get? Um, so Dominic Cahoon had a great game against Toronto. He had two goals and one assist. Of course, that was against Toronto's backup, Kashmir Um 
But um, also, Evgeny Malkin had three points um, in three games. Um, and Brian Rust had three points in three games. Um, and then you have Alex Galchenyuk, who has two points um, in those games. Jake Gensel um, has two points in those games. So I feel like all those guys that I just mentioned, because Dominic Calhoun was another guy that they got um, in this offseason as well, um, who who should be able to step up and be that, like maybe a second-line winger or a third-line winger for them, a first-line winger even. Um, but especially, I think, Malkin and Gensel have to step up if the Penguins want to do well. Uh, Brian Rust as well, uh, considering he's more well-established in this league. Um, and it would be nice to see if Dominic Cahoon and Galchenyuk can um, prove that, you know, those off-season trades were worth it because um, it doesn't look like they're showing it so far. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty interesting uh, when when you when you talk about uh, Jake Ensel because pretty much his entire career he's played with Crosby. Yep, like that's all he's really played for. That's Just a good point too. Left wing with Sidney Crosby. He gives he gives me the puck. I shoot it on net and. <laughs> More often than not, hopefully I get a goal. So now he's gonna have to unlock some new chemistry with uh, Evgeny Malkin. But that's not. But yeah, I was about to say like you know going from Crosby to Malkin as your center is not a it's not that much of a downgrade. Not not that much of a downgrade, but uh, you know I'm sure there are things you know that he needs to pick up on. For with, sure. With with Malkin uh, as opposed to Crosby, they're not like blueprint. They're not identically blueprint uh similar for sure you know yeah um but uh there's no question of getting malkin is talented and and I, and I will get to malkin in a second but just mentioning some of the other guys that you mentioned uh, mccann actually ranks second on the team in goals with six brian rust had five of his own this is prior to the crosby injury yeah um and Jared McCann was also near the top five in team scoring. So was uh, Dominic Simon. Um, a lot of those guys, including Dominic Cahoon, I think they're going to be the unsung heroes that have to step up. Uh, maybe yep. Galchenyuk too. But Brian Rust has, has been kind of a fringe top six, bottom six guy the past couple of years in Pittsburgh. Um, he was actually injured to start off the year. And in his first five games... Uh, coming back into the lineup, he got four goals, two assists, um, plus seven rating. And um, in those first five games that he played with the Penguins this year, the Penguins actually outshot the opponent 199 to 132. So I don't know what it is about Brian Russ, but um, the Penguins were playing very good hockey when he was in the lineup. Uh, Dominic Simon, I mentioned him, uh, like McCann, he, yep. he was um, near the top five scorers on Pittsburgh at the time of the Crosby injury. He's got 10 points in his first 20 games. Uh, Cahoon has uh, 10 points in his first 19 games. So like I said, big game against the Leafs on Saturday. And um, if you take a look at um, some of the results that the Penguins have shown in recent weeks, for example, that game where the Islanders were up three nothing with their winning streak still intact and Pittsburgh in the third period, bang, 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 they get three goals for us overtime and they win it in overtime. Crosby went pointless. Yeah. 
Crosby didn't get anything there, and it was guys like Brian Rust coming up big for the Penguins that night. So it's it's not like the Penguins are royally screwed because Crosby's not playing. The Penguins are capable of hanging around and playing uh, and playing the role of comeback and uh, dominating a hockey game with the resources that they have outside of Sidney Crosby. Um, it's just a matter of putting that all together night in and night out. Um, but you're right. At the end of the day, this ship is going to sink or stay afloat with Evgeny Malkin uh, as the captain. Yep. Uh, especially now that Kessel isn't there to help out with the secondary scoring. You look at a guy like Sidney Crosby, he dictates the pace. He needs guys that can follow his lead like Jake Ensel has done. And now Malkin needs to do the same. He has to set the offensive tone. He needs to drive the top line uh, with Jake Ensel. And um, if you, if you look at uh, what Malkin uh, has done in previous years, um, in 2007-2008, um, Malkin took over 800 face-offs, failed to win 40% of them. But offensively, he was very, very good. He had 47 goals and 106 points that year, um, finished second in NHL scoring, also got 272 shots, along with 40 power play points. 2010-2011, um, that was the first year where Crosby was affected by the concussion problems. Um, Gino um was for whatever reason i'm pretty sure he was banged up too um he only played in 43 games but he got 37 points and picked up 182 shots 2011 2012 however was when he was really really noticed as a superstar um he had 339 shots 50 goals 109 points kind of helped james neal turn into a goal scoring machine he took over 1,200 face-offs that season, and uh, he actually had a win percentage above 40%. It was actually 47.5%, a significant improvement uh, from 07-08 for sure. Uh, and if you look at his actual career games without Crosby, 121 career games, Malkin has 66 goals and 95 assists for a total of 161 points. So... He's, like you said, no stranger to playing without Sidney Crosby, no stranger to stepping up his game. And once again, he has done that. Um, he has points in five of his past six games, eight points during that span. Um, there's a lot to look forward to if you're Evgeny Malkin. And if there is one positive that comes out of this is that Sidney Crosby comes back refreshed and ready to go. And if Denny Malkin's on his game, he's ready to go. Yep. So I think it's best for the Penguins if not only both guys are healthy, but both guys are healthy and producing and at the top of their game. Yeah, that's a good point. Dominic Simone is another one that uh, could step up in this role. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot more pressure for um, uh, Alex Galchenyuk uh, just because he was the guy who was traded for Phil Kessel. Um, and, like, if, if the Penguins had Phil Kessel right now, they probably would be in better shape. Um, so uh, so that's that's where it gets a little interesting because Alex Galchenyuk was also, like, a top draft pick in his own right. Um, so I feel like I, I, I am more... Of, of the, all the wingers around here, I am the most interested to see how Galchenyuk... Um, 
if if he can uh, rise up or um, if he can just not not rise up. <laughs> um, I don't the opposite yeah, of rise it, up. It, you know, it's a make or break year for yeah. him. We said it many times on this yeah. podcast, but especially with Crosby out, like Jeez. you're not going to get a better chance than this to prove yourself. For sure, and it's also he. You know, this is his third team in three years, so if he can't uh, do well now um, on this team, uh, then you know he he might end up just being a bust or something like that. Um, yeah. As unfortunate as that says, um, as that is. Um, all right, let's go to our next question here. Um, what does Latang so Latang is also out. Um it also feel it feels like Latang can never stay healthy for a full season. Um yeah, he's one of those guys. Um he is their power play quarterback and whatnot, but um it does seem like he is always injured. When when healthy, he's like legitimately one of the best defensemen in the league. It's just mm-hmm. uh, it's a big if. Um so what does Latang bring that's tough to replace? Um, yeah, he, I mean, so that's the thing I was talking about this before is like the biggest like weakness with the Penguins is, is their defense. It's like, you know, I mean, I guess you could say goalie as well, but, um, like the, like the fact that like when Crosby's out, it's like, okay, well, at least you have Malkin, at least you have Gensel, at least you have Cahoon. And, like, even if, like, Murray gets injured, it's like, well, Tristan Jari has shown some potential. Even Casey DeSmith has shown some potential. So they can take the net and stuff. But when Latang is out, it's like, um, Justin Schultz, uh, Brian Dumoulin, uh, Marcus Peterson, uh, who are these guys? Jack Johnson? So, um, it's, it's just, uh, like, they're like he is by far their best defenseman and so when they lose that a guy like that who has 12 points in 15 games uh this year um it's just they're they're lacking that um so i i took a look at their power play stuff um it looks like john marino has uh, took the first pairing with brian dumoulin um when Latang is out, so that's a little bit interesting. I, I saw him play a bit. Um, it looks like he, he could be pretty good. I think he had a, like a couple, like his first goal ever, career goal ever was um, was pretty nice actually. So he could be something. Um, I don't know if he'll be able to sustain it. Um, but then I was looking at the power play stuff. Uh, Justin Schultz is the one defenseman on the first power play. And then on the second power play, you have Marcus Peterson, and Yuso Ricola, which is an awesome name. Um, so, um, so yeah, I guess, uh, so this is, I guess I'm combining these two questions together then, Steve. But first off, what does Latang bring that's tough to replace? And who's, who is most likely to step up in Latang's absence? Yeah, so um, he's basically the Sidney Crosby of their defense. Yes. Uh, losing Crystal Tang is such a big blow to a Penguins defense that heavily relies him on him in a lot of situations. Right. Um, and, and here's what I mean by that. This is a guy who's hit and surpassed the 50-point mark in five NHL seasons to date. Career high in goals and points was uh, set back in 2015-16 when he had 16 goals and 67 points. Um, he can chip in 15 to 20 points with the extra man per year. 
Um, on four occasions, he's recorded 200 or more shots in a season. 25 to 26 minutes a year guaranteed. This guy, when healthy, that's the amount of minutes he can log. And part of the reason for that is he can play in power play and penalty killing situations. If you look at 2010, 2011, over 360 power play minutes. That's a lot of power play minutes, but he also played over 170 minutes on the penalty kill. Um, in 2014-15, over 250 minutes on the power play, but also over 190 minutes with the Penguins shorthanded, he was on the ice. Um, the year after that, 2015-16, over 280 power play minutes, but also over 116 minutes shorthanded. Um, 2017-18, over 200 power play minutes and over 200 penalty killing minutes. And um, this year, fourth in power play minutes, fifth in shorthanded minutes. So you're losing a guy that over the past little while is logging a lot of time at even strength, a lot of time on the power play and a lot of time on the penalty kill. So basically, to fill Chris Letang's void once again, it's a by committee type of situation. Um, and Chris Letang, at around the time he got hurt, was close to a point per game player. He had 12 points in 15 games. Um, and he's he's also uh, in the Penguins' top four in shots on goal as well. So he's really piling up those shots, and uh, that creates more offensive chances uh, for the Penguins uh, to score goals. So uh, they're going to miss uh, a lot of that because he can do so much. Um, so you mentioned the defensive pairings. As far as who's going to fill the void on the power play, probably the closest thing to an automatic there is right now is Justin Schultz. Um, he actually leads the Penguins in total power play minutes so far this year. Um, if you want to go into the depth realm, Marcus Peterson has logged 27 minutes and change with the extra man. That's third amongst Penguins defenders this year. So maybe he gets a couple more chances here and there. Um, but for the most part, it's going to go to Justin Schultz, uh, mostly because he's proven that he can log time on the power play get results on the power play get results in general um this is a guy in 2016-17 had 51 points in 78 games alone with 20 power uh 20 power play points in just 29 games last year he had 15 points in his first 20 games this year he has eight points and in Edmonton, he registered a pair of 30-plus point campaigns where he was averaging 21 to 22 minutes a night, which he hasn't averaged in Pittsburgh. It's been more like 20 minutes and change per game for him. Yeah. Um, so getting that experience in Edmonton as the primary guy might help Justin Schultz in helping the Penguins get through this tough stretch. Uh, from a defensive standpoint, John Marino, Jack Johnson, Brian Dumoulin, they're all probably going to slot in here and there to help fill the vacancy left by Chris Letang. Um, if, I don't know if you've taken a look at uh, their defense. Their defense so far, I know it's early, their defense has been pretty stingy. One of the stingiest in the league in terms of goals against, like their fifth, sixth fewest goals yeah. against or something like that. If they keep up that solid play, 
it doesn't matter how many goals uh, the Penguins uh, score in a game, whether it's three or whether it's four. If uh, they only give up like one or two goals per game, the Penguins are going to be fine. Yeah, um, I just looked up John Marino's stats here. Um, he, uh, he had 11 points in 33 games last year for Harvard. Um, and uh, I did see the one goal that he scored. Um, and it, that was nice as well. I think I mentioned that before. Um, also, I guess Jack Johnson. It's funny, though. Like, if Jack Johnson and Justin Schultz are your best defensemen, I feel like there's something going... There's something wrong with you. Um, mm -hmm. Also, I, I looked... I did the same thing for the defensemen um, in terms of, like, looking at how many points they got in the last week. Um, and only Jack Johnson has two points here. Um Everyone else has one. Um, or only John Marino, Marcus Peterson, and Justin Schultz have one. Um, so, so yeah, I, I feel like I'd be more worried about Penguin, the Penguins' defense than I am on their forwards because, like, you know, it seems like, you know, I guess Jake Gensel and Malkin, uh, Russ has his moments as well. Um, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Cahoon, Galchenyuk, Dominic Simone. Um, even Brandon Tanev or Zach Aston Reese are another ones that we haven't even talked about. Um, so, so I feel like they're good on the forward stuff. Um, and, but like on the defensive pair, it's, it's just scary without Latang. Um, so that's where, that's where I like wonder, which brings us to our next question. Um, should we be worried about Pittsburgh this season and next season? So we'll take a look at uh, what they've done uh, this season because uh, that can be kind of misleading to what I originally think. But uh, let's let's take a look at, at how are they faring. Most of the stats that I have here are from the time that Crosby got hurt. So obviously they've changed uh, in the last couple of days. But at the time Crosby uh, was hurt, it was announced that he was undergoing uh, core muscle surgery. So it's either the 13th or the 14th of November. This is where the Penguins were stacking up against everyone else. So the Pens at that point as a team had scored seven goals on four occasions. Not surprisingly, they won all of them. Um, but in games where they scored two goals or less, they were one, five, and two. And that wasn't counting the Devils loss. So technically one, six, and two now. Um, they sat 12th in the league in goals four, pretty impressive. Uh, owned the sixth worst power play in the league. I don't know how that's possible. Even with the fourth fewest chances in the league, with all that firepower on Pittsburgh, that power play percentage, it needs to be higher. That that team has too much firepower to not capitalize on the majority of the power play chances that they get. Um, but uh, like, like I said, they, they haven't had as much time on the power play to work with as a lot of the other teams. The only other teams with less time on the extra man in terms of actual team mice time are the Tempe Lightning and the New York Islanders. So um, it, I, I kind of give them a pass a little bit there, but just, uh, just something to think about. A team with Crosby and Malkin somehow isn't even slightly higher than the bottom 10 that's that's just mind-boggling to me but uh, they've made up with uh their poor offense um for their good defense which is something 
that they didn't always have. Um, they surrendered the fifth fewest goals against uh, on route to owning the second best penalty kill in the league at 88.1%. Um, they have taken the second fewest minors in the league, so that definitely helps. Um, only Winnipeg's registered less penalty killing time uh, than the Penguins. Uh, so that, that's that's pretty cool for Mike Sullivan's group. They're staying disciplined. They're not getting into penalty trouble. That definitely helped their cause for sure. Uh, in one goal games at the time of Crosby's injury, Pittsburgh was 1-4-2, owning the NHL's best win percentage in terms of one goal wins. Um, they also own the third most shots per game, second fewest shots against per game, second most hits, eighth fewest blocks, tenth fewest giveaways. Um... They uh, sit 10th in overall shots as well. Um, and they, like I said before, they've shown a lot of resolve. Um, in fact, they kind of remind me a lot of the junior hockey team that we, um, that I have the luxury of watching in Ottawa, the Ottawa 67s, the OHL. The Penguins, I can't believe I'm saying this, the Penguins at the time of Crosby's injury only had a lead after 20 minutes twice in their first 18 games this season they trailed after 20 minutes on six occasions they were even on another 10 but in their first 18 games this season they only had a first period lead at the end of the first period on two occasions and in six of the 18 games they have played in six of their first 18 games they scored the game's first goal so the other 12 the other team scored um, so there's there's a lot to like from a character standpoint about this Penguins team. What really worries me about this team this year going into next year is that you're still hoping that the offensive depth comes through for you. You're still hoping that your star players remain healthy. You're still hoping that your defense somehow manages to hold the fort. And you're hoping that your goaltender is hella good. So there's going to come a point in time where all that hoping and all that, that praying will lead to zero answers for you and a lot of questions to answer. And there have been times this year where the Penguins would outshoot an opponent, Mike Smith uh, versus and the Edmonton Oilers. That's one case, they outshot Blackwood by a lot um, on Friday night against New Jersey. They lost a close game there. Um, the, the lack of execution there is going to come back and bite them if, if, if that continues to become a theme for them. Um, so I, I really, it's tough to say what I think of this team, um, but at their current state, there are a lot of unknowns uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I think that's more of a bad thing than a good thing at this point because a lot of their star players are getting older. Yeah. The prospect pool isn't as deep. It's not as great. Yeah. Um, to the point where if they miss the playoffs, it's honestly not the worst thing in the world this year because at least they get a decent pick in the first round. Right, right, right. That's a good point. I Yeah, the thing that's interesting about the Penguins is, is, as you were mentioning, it's like, you know, Crosby, Malkin, Murray, and Latang are all 
um, keeping them in a in the playoff hunt um, and all that stuff. And that's a, a big reason why, like, even when they miss the playoffs, it's because the all four of those guys were missed a significant amount of time. Um, and it looks like that's what's going to happen here. Um, and like the stranger thing is, is like they trade away Kessel, they trade away Mata over the season, um, which is fine. I mean, you know, Kessel's a bit one-dimensional, um, although he can score goals, um, but he's not great defensively speaking. Um, Oli Mata gets injured a lot too in his own right, but he's also pretty good defensively as well. Um, so it's like, it's one of those things that now that Crosby is out and Latang is out, um, they might, you know, they could, they could use a guy like Oli Mata. They could use a guy like, um, Phil Kessel, um, to, to help, uh, help them out here. Um, and, it, and that's what makes it interesting here. Um, and then when I look at their division here, you know, you have Washington, um, who's, who seems like they're going to run away with the division. Um, you have the Islanders and Carolina who are both, um, still pretty good, uh, surprisingly. Um, and then you have like, you know, Philly, the Rangers. Um, and then I guess you have who could like, who could have their stuff together. They could also not have their stuff together. They're kind of like a mixed bag, kind of like the Penguins. And then Columbus and New Jersey, who are kind of like a tire fire right now, a dumpster fire. Um, so who knows what's going on with those guys? So I feel like just given that, like they could theoretically make the wild card here, um, like, it, or maybe if the Islanders slip up or Carolina slips up. But like you know, just looking at their team, uh, their division. It's not unrealistic to think that they could make the playoffs even with Crosby and Latang missing a significant amount of time, um, which I find is kind of interesting. However, as you were mentioning, you know, like since they did win, you know, back-to-back cups in 2015 and 2016, you know, it's not like they um, they have a ton of prospect pools. They do have Zach Aston Reese um, in the system. Uh, they, uh, I think, didn't they, they, they got this, uh, I'm blanking on who they got this year, but like, they didn't even have any draft picks lat the year before that. Um, so, oh, Samuel Pauline was the guy that they got in 2019. Um, so, you know, they, they could use, like, maybe this could be a time where they rebuild a bit while Crosby and Latang are out, like have them rest. Maybe it would be a good idea just have them rest um, and, you know, take their time with it and then, you know, maybe get a good, uh, decent first round pick um, so that you can like restock your pool, maybe trade some guys um, and and start to like do like a rebuilding on the fly sort of thing. Um, because it's not like Crosby and Malkin are that young um, and Latang always gets injured um, so he's not even guaranteed either to be good um, in the next couple of years anyways. Um, and, you know, same for Matt Murray. He, I mean, he is young, but uh, you never really know with goalies, and um, it's tough for that in that regard as well. So I could see, like, maybe, um, you know, the Penguins, maybe they start to um, 
regress a little bit and um, not like, you know, like purposely try to lose or anything, but uh, maybe rebuild this year uh, given the circumstance. Yeah, it's it's always tough to say. Um, just just taking a look at the lineup and what they have to deal with. Uh, should also mention, uh, for what it's worth, Patrick Hornquist is also hurt, so they they also don't and have Hornquist in the mix. So Hornquist, Bukestad, Crosby, and uh, Latang—that's the list of the walking wounded. That's true. Uh, right I, there. Didn't, I didn't even mention Hornquist, but I, I forgot about him. Yeah. Um, Hornquist is that's another thing about Hornquist he I find he's a bit on the decline yeah which kind of adds to my argument that you know time is running out on the Pittsburgh Penguins because their star players their core players they're right. getting older as you mentioned and not yeah. younger. uh so uh November 12th here are the line combos oh wait uh, hold on I have Hornquist. one more question left but oh sorry uh sorry uh <laughs> sorry go on with the question uh, do we think the Penguins will make any changes, moves, uh, while Crosby and Latang are hurt? Okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, just taking a look at the, the lineup to see if, if any changes are warranted. So, November the 12th, with Hornquist and Crosby not in the mix, um, here is what Mike Sullivan was experimenting with. So, line one featured McCann, Suttering, Galchenyuk, and Gensel. That's an interesting one. Uh, line two, Malkin, Suttering, Simon, and Rust. Line three, Bukestad, Centering, Cahoon, and Lafferty. Line four features Teddy Bluger, Suttering, Zach Aston-Reese, and Brandon Tanev. So then we go to the lineup for Friday night against New Jersey. McCann, or not McCann, Malkin goes up from line two to line one, he is now centering Gensel and Rust. Galchenyuk gets bumped to the second line. Uh, Lafferty gets promoted to the second line. They are centered by Bukestad, who was centering the third line prior to that. Um, McCann goes from the first line center to the third line center. He centers Cahoon and Simon. And the only unchanged line, line four, Teddy Bluger centering Zach Aston Reese and Brandon Tanev. Um, so I'm, I'm just taking a look at, at the power play units that they're running and the lines that they're running without, um, the likes of Sidney Crosby, without the likes of Chris Letang. And I'm just thinking come playoff time is, is this team really going to invoke fear into me? Not really. I mean, they're, they're okay, I guess, but like. They're not as threatening as they once were, if that makes any sense. Yep. And um, they're, they're just kind of like riding the highs and lows. You know, they win three straight and then they lose three straight. And it's 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 just kind of a streaky feel to it. Yep. Um, especially that. if you look at the cap crunch. Like Crosby's on the IR. But when he comes back, if you were to go out and get somebody to help uh, kind of fill the void while Crosby's away, and then Crosby comes back, well, shoot, now you have to work around the cap, and now you probably have to make some more adjustments there. So I don't think they have much choice but to look from within and trust that their depth in the farm system and on their roster is going to prove them right and that it's going to see them through these dark times. 
Um, like, just take a look at uh, Erica Branson. Got out the trade deadline. Um, two years at $4 million. Doesn't even last exactly 12 months. Uh, I don't even know if he lasted six months uh, before Jim Rutherford decided to ship him to the Anaheim Ducks. Right. So why would making a trade now work better for your team if you made a short-term trade for Erica Branson only for that to blow up in your face like not even six months later? Yeah, that's true. Um, there, there, there was word from um, the Sportsnet panel. Um, uh, it's a part of the Saturday headline feature that they do every Saturday night. Uh, during the second intermission, and they mentioned that Pittsburgh might be willing to deal one of their Plan B goalies, whether that would be Casey DeSmith, who's in the AHL and playing well over there, or whether it be Tristan Jerry, who has posted not a great record, but if you look at his goals against and his save percentage, uh, deserved a better fate in a lot of the games that he's played this year. So the thing about that is... I heard about that when Malkin was hurt and when Crosby was trying to help the Pens stay afloat while uh, Malkin was recovering and trying to get back into the lineup. So this whole revelation of, oh, you know, uh, they're, they're thinking of trading one of their plan B goalies. I, I told you, you know, this is a Sidney Crosby thing. You know, they're trying to get reinforcements. Yeah. Not like that at all. This isn't a newfound revelation. This has been circulating for weeks now. So it has nothing to do with the with the health of Sidney Crosby and how long he's going to be out for. So um, I think really the, the best thing the Penguins should do is nothing and just trust what they have because that's all they can do. And if they do anything more than that, then they're putting themselves in an even tougher spot down the road. Yeah, I I agree with that. It's not, you know, I mean, you do make a good point that like both Crosby and Hornquist are on the IR right now. So even if they were to make a move, it would be, you know, they'd have to make some more moves to bring those guys up when they're healthy. Um, so that, that it d- does make sense in terms of they kind of are forced to work with their own stuff here what does have me worried is that like let's say they do have a trade um i'm not sure if i can really trust uh jeremy uh, jim rutherford um with his trades that he's made or his free agent signings because like you know as i mentioned before he traded kessel (laughs) away for alex galchenyuk um pierre oliver joseph may be something but i don't think he's ready yet um (laughs) brandon ten of six year deal Brandon Tanev, I was just about to get there. Brandon Tanev, a six-year deal at three point five million. I mean, I guess to the, to their credit, they are they are putting Tanev in the second line right now. So at least that's something. But like, he's not that good. So that's interesting. I I mentioned the Olimata for Dominic Cahoon one. Um, that one's not as bad because you know Olimata's. It's not like Olimata is like lighting the world on fire in Chicago. Um, but you know, Dominic Cahoon uh, could be something. And then I look here, um, just looking at their cap friendly page. So they have UFAs with, uh, Alex Galchenyuk and Justin Schultz, who are both going to be UFAs next year. But then their RFAs is where it gets really, um, interesting here because they have Jared McCann, Dominic Cahoon, Sam Lafferty, 
Uh, Dominic Simone, J Joseph Landizi, those are the forwards that are RFAs next year. Uh, then you have Marcus Pedersen and Yuso Rikula um, as their defense. And then here's where the kicker starts, because both Matt Murray and Tristan Jari are both going to be RFAs uh, next year, and they're both going to want a bit more of a raises. So, like you were saying, I could see, and it's not like Casey DeSmith is that bad either, so I could see maybe trying to, like, trade Tristan Jari or trying to trade Casey DeSmith um, just for cap reasons and maybe try to get some help on the defensive side of things and just hope your forwards work out um, and Crosby can, and once Crosby and Hornquist are back in your lineup, maybe that's something that you could do. Um, just try to, like, you know, maybe you take one of your strength and that you have a guy like uh, Tristan Jari or you have a guy like Casey DeSmith um, and you know that Matt Murray is going to be your guy for uh, for a couple more years. So you just, you know, you trade one of your goalies, backup goalies to get like a help on defense for the time being. Um, so maybe that's a route they take um, if they were to take any route. Um, but uh, so that could be an interesting thing. But yeah, I think you're right in terms of Crosby and Hornquist being on IR. Um, it would be weird to like, it's not like they can sign anyone and then they have to worry about the cap situation um, in the meantime. So, um, so it would be tricky in, in that regard. But I think if they were to make a move and just looking at their cap situation, um, they may. I, I could see them maybe trying to trade Tristan Jari because I'm sure they could get something for for Tristan Jari. Yeah, like uh, I don't know, uh, she like someone like a Maple Leafs could use one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah they, they they have some talent maybe that Pittsburgh would need. Yeah, yeah but the the thing the captain back if you can. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be someone. funny. Well, the thing with the Leafs is, is that they also have the same issue. <laughs> like, yeah, and, and I would add more to yeah. the cap, which is what they're they're heavy up front. They have a good goalie, and uh, they have terrible defense. And one of their best forwards is out for a long term. So they're they're literally in the same situation. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it, I I I'm just. Um, I'm just flabbergasted that um, that um, gee, what, what was what was my train of thought even? I, I, I'm just kind of flabbergasted um, as a whole that that you look at uh, some of the other teams, um, you know, like uh, Colorado that have been dealing with injuries, and Toronto, and Pittsburgh, and Winnipeg, and. I don't know what it is, but um, you you would think you know that every every team would would have the same resolve, but you know maybe it's uh, maybe it's uh, different approaches to game plans, or maybe it's just the confidence level in the room, or yeah. maybe the team is built for overcoming adversity. I don't know what it is, but you look at the Colorado Avalanche, you know they don't have me. Rantanen, they don't have Philip Grubauer, they don't even have their backup goalie, and they're still finding ways to win games because of guys like Nathan McKinnon, guys like Kale McCarr. Yeah, and, they're impressive. Uh, the Jets have been, uh, you know, hot and cold, but uh, they've been manufacturing they've been uh, wins too, yeah. But as soon as the Leafs go on uh, the back half of a back-to-back, -back, or they have to play anyone not named Freddie Anderson, it's an automatic L to the face. Right. I, I don't get it. 
But yeah, uh, yeah I, I think a guy like Tristan Jury would be perfect for Toronto because he's low under the cap salary wise, and he gives you a chance to win as based on what we've uh, seen uh, during his time with Pittsburgh. So yeah, um, yeah it'll be interesting to, to see how that develops. I'm just happy to be an Ottawa Senators fan where I don't actually have to worry about uh, wins and losses and like there's there's no pressure at all. Just, yeah. Watch the game, you know, hope for the best. Well, like I mentioned before, I think like the thing with Toronto and Pittsburgh is they both need defense, and so yeah. it's like they'd be trade. They could trade for each other, but it's like they don't really have much ground to stand on because it's like unless they do like a Pierre Oliver Joseph for. Um, Timothy Lilligren, which is, I don't even understand why either team would do that. So, you know, it's like, a, um, I, it wouldn't make sense for either team, given that they both desperately need a defense, um, some, something for a defense there. Um, I will say it is funny, though, that, like, given that they both are in similar situations and... Uh, people want Mike Mike Babcock's head, and no one's talking about Mike Sullivan's head. Um, <laughs> I guess that's what uh, two cups do to you uh, versus zero cups. Um, yeah, especially, especially when your fan base has been starting for a cup for fifty plus years. True, true. Pittsburgh's yeah. won like four or five in, in that the last time. couple of years. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess that's a good point. I don't even. I think. I think the last time. Weren't the the Penguins weren't even a franchise in 1967? Is that right? Uh, no, I think they were an expansion franchise. I, uh, well, no, actually, no, they weren't in existence yet because yeah. I believe they came into existence <laughs> after the Leafs won the cup. So yeah, so yeah, they they weren't in existence when the Leafs <laughs> last won the cup. How funny is that? It's typical. Lace them up. We somehow make it uh, a way <laughs> to to trash the Leafs, um, <laughs> even though we were talking about how bad the the Penguins are right now. Um, all right, that should do it for us here. I'm at Lace Em Up. Uh, where our, you can catch us on SoundCloud. Um, our, uh, we have an iTunes. We have a Spotify. We have an Audacity thing. Oh, an Audacity thing. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Um, our, you can catch us on uh, Twitter at Lace Em Up. Or Lace Up Podcast. I, I don't know. I'm loopy right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I and, too. Uh, and then we also have uh, Facebook as well at Lace Em Up. Um, and that's about it. Um, I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Bells with the talk again, episode 194 of the Lace Em Up Podcast, where we might, may or may not talk about the Leafs. Yeah. <laughs>